Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive and industrial manufacturing industries and supporting ecosystems, and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house, happy to be here. The Future Mobility and Manufacturing with Game Changers is one of our longest-running, oldest, most cherished Game Changers radio series. Happy to be here. I have two special guests, but I have to do a spelling lesson before I start the topic. I'm going to spell four letters for all of you, our listening audience, and you may see our video. We are recording it on Zoom today, but not live streaming. The letters are capital X, small a, small a, capital S. And a lot of you will say, well, what is she going to say? The answer is it stands for everything as a service. That's the X or anything as a service. So our topic today is, I'm just going to say the words, everything as a service is the hype reel for industrial manufacturing companies. Now, let me give you a couple of buzz quotes before I have my two esteemed guests introduce themselves. And I will do a spelling again. X-A-A-S stands for everything as a service or anything as a service. It is an acronym, listen up everyone, for providing any products, tools, and technologies that businesses may need as a service instead of on-premise or with a physical product. The term has been popularized by cloud computing services such as SaaS, S-A-A-S, software as a service, IAAS, that's infrastructure as a service. PAAS, that's platform as a service. And I got this quote from GIVAINC.com. You can go look them up. I have buzz quote number two for you. Whether you view everything as a service as a dream or a nightmare, everybody just let that sink in for a second. It's here to stay. That's the news. It is not a one-size-fits-all proposition, nor must it be a revolutionary one, though it will challenge your business. And I'm speaking, and my guests today are speaking to you, our business listeners all over the world, regardless of what industry you're in, although we are focusing on manufacturing today, but this affects everybody. Manufacturers will always make things and service them. Everything as a service will, though, shape how they make things and even more so how they sell and service them. That's our focus. And I have one more buzz quote. The concept of servitization, long word, I had to learn how to pronounce it, Don and Sergey, is not new, but it is obtaining renewed interest. Rather than buying a piece of equipment, the consumer contracts with the supplier for the result. Everybody just think about that. So instead of, let's say, buying paving equipment, the customer might buy X miles of paved road for X dollars or whatever currency you're transacting in. The customer is assured of getting the final result. The supplier uses equipment sensors and IoT, that's our favorite Internet of Things technology, to track performance of the machinery on the job site. That's from diginomica.com. So question on the table today is what does the future hold for everything as a service models for industrial manufacturing companies and what will adoption look like in the next five years? It is a transformation from selling products to selling services and outcome. And I have two very special guests, Don Swenson, just for the heck of it for the camera, because I'm recording us on Zoom. Wave hello, this Don Swenson at SAP and Sergey Yermakov at Clarity. And he spells his company with all capital letters, which intrigues me for their take on everything as a service is the hype reel 
for industrial manufacturing companies. Welcome, gentlemen. So happy to have you here. Don Swenson, you're up first. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about your role at SAP and why are you here? What what yeah. matters about this topic? Don, welcome. Very good, Bonnie. No, I, I'm happy to be here as well. I've um, Don Swenson. I've uh, had 30 plus years, believe it or not, in the in the technology world. I'm currently with SAP 15 years. And the most recent role, the current role for the last two years, is as a head of service for the high-tech and industrial manufacturing world for the services organization. And really the focus is helping our customers and helping SAP deliver standard best practices approaches. And we kind of had a, a focus on a scenario, and, and I've had a passion for this everything as a service topic for quite some time because I like, I like tackling big problems and challenges. And I like, I like looking at a, at, a, at a market and this is really kind of making a market. And we've been at this for a long time. And the, and the title of, this, of the show is myth or reality. It's still, there's still skepticism around, can we really do this? And that's the challenge that we took on. And it is a challenge for companies to transform from a manufacturing business to a service business. They, they spent years and dollars and investment in a lifetime perfecting a manufacturing-based operating model. But this is a different, it's a different business model requiring a different operating model. And customers have struggled with this. So I, I made it my personal mission to, to try to, you know, bring the, all the resources to bear at SAP to, to really tackle this because the, the portfolio is there, the, the services are there. It's really establishing those best practices and across multiple application areas for an end-to-end -end process. And there's, there's a customer experience and a user experience that's completely different. And I look forward to sharing my point of view on the show. Thank you very much. Your point of view and, and your experienced point of view. And, and Don, Sergey, I'll get to you in a second, but I remember a couple of years ago hearing when you go to the hardware store, you're, not long, you're no longer buying a hammer. You're buying a nail in a wall, which is the hammer's outcome. The result of the hammer is what is it putting somewhere that you need that thing to be in that place? That was the outcome. That's how I learned about this. Don, am I right as a very small no, example? No, absolutely. And that's part of the challenge because, as you were saying before, customers, especially in the industrial manufacturing world, buying heavy equipment, being responsible for maintaining that, uh, not only from expertise around the maintenance of it, but all the parts and support for it, that's, that is an, a, a heavy additional cost burden. And they would love the manufacturer to own 99.999% uptime for that heavy industrial equipment and have the manufacturer own the outcome. Well, Thank guess you. what? Guess manufacturer, what? <laughs> how do I do that? There you go. Let's let's wait till we get to the roundtable to get into the heavy part of this topic. Thank you very much, Don. I appreciate it. Pleasure to meet you, Sergey Yermakov. I have to tell everybody he spells his last name J-E-R-M-A-K-O-V. And I had a brief and very pleasant pronunciation letter lesson from Sergey before the show. Sergey, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself? And we'd love to know a little bit about clarity and why is it spelled with all capital letters making a point sergey welcome 
Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, so um, I am Sergey Yermakov, and I'm a senior partner at Clarity. And my experience, I've been in the um, enterprise application space for my entire career. It's more than 20 years now. And uh, well, last 10 years before joining Clarity, I spent with SAP and uh, I was uh, doing the customer engagement part of SAP business. And so customer experience and uh, in different roles. And uh, there basically where I see that the whole subscription topic starts. Uh, it is like all about uh, making the customer-centric business model, not just from the perspective of uh, servicing customer in the best way, but also going into this deeper understanding on what the value should be brought to the customer and how to address the challenges the customer has. And coming back to your hammer, you know, I, I'm always using this quote from Theodore Lubit, uh, like Harvard professor who, who was saying like, people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill, they need a quarter inch hole, right? And uh, it was a quote from, I don't know, 30 years ago. And I, I think that this is the point where we are really uncovering this and, and trying to really understand how we bring this to the customers. And uh, at Clarity, we are like our company, we're working with the technologies that enables this uh, subscription transformation for the customer. And we uh, are trying to really create this monetization opportunities for, for services, for subscriptions, and in this space, we also coming to what Don uh, said, we, we've been thinking on how do we address and how do we support manufacturers in this transition. So we have created the methodology on how to turn from being manufacturer into being the service provider that we call subscription enabler. I, I will touch on that uh, during our conversation today, but this is basically the, the methodology that helps to address the risks associated with this transition and this transformation from most of the companies. Sergey, thank you very much. You brought up risks, you brought up value, two very important points. Um, I'll tell you all aside how I think I was talking about this as a local reporter for a small newspaper in, in Long Island, New York many years ago, but it's not germane to our topic. So I'll save that for after the show. Yes, risks and value, the value is what do you get out of it? But what's intriguing to me is you're talking about, and, and Don talked about myth versus reality, the advantages, the risks of doing it. We're talking about change. We're talking about minding the change mindset. We talk about this in organizations all the time, don't we, Don? Don't we, Sergey? We talk about when you bring in some kind of a new protocol or a process in a company, and you have to manage the change in terms of the mindset of the of the uh, executives of the C-suite and all of the the staff, the supporting people, the employees, the workers, the teams, the gigs, whoever is there to get it done. You need to get managing change, and it sounds to me like this is part of what we're talking about today: is managing the concept, saying to manufacturer you're not just selling that drill or that hammer anymore or that piece of humongous very expensive equipment we're talking about an outcome so thank you gentlemen for good introduction to the topic a quick question to both of you if i ask a question it'll be addressed to both of you don just briefly is this breaking news what we're talking about today everything is a service is this breaking news for manufacturers industrial manufacturers or is this something they're going to say yeah we've been talking about this for five years yeah they're going to be talking about okay we know that or is this wow don first no this is in my mind this is not this is not new. This topic has been around for for a long time. And there's but in terms of the the market curve, you know, the pioneers have gone through their 
you know, their process and they've got scars on their back. I mean, we, we're, we're still moving up the growth curve because there is yet to be a real standardized, simplified approach that enables, you know, a mass manufacturer to move to this transformation quickly. So we're, we're, we're still trying to break through. Thank you very much, Sergey. What do you think? New, hype, scary, or yeah, we're still talking about this, but we're not there yet. What do you see? I'm looking at this as, you know, as the, the next wave of uh, technology innovation in a big sense, because if you look at the servitization that you mentioned already in the beginning, so this concept is 30 year old. Uh, and uh, most of the manufacturers, they are selling services already. And uh, if we look at the successful ones, so they differentiate themselves by selling services. So I think that uh, current, like everything is the service concept is more about how to really become advanced in this area and how to benefit the most out of selling services and moving from the simple services into the complicated, complex, uh, everything as the service concept, because everything is a service is not just the, the service that we sell on subscription, uh, but it is also the product that we're bundling with that service and selling all together. And this is the biggest challenge, how to transition from that service, simple service sales into the full scope of uh, everything as a service. Change management comes to mind again, changing the mindset and changing the product, right, Don? It's getting, getting it all together, repackaging what you're doing, even if it's what you've always been doing. It's a different wrapper, perhaps. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's go. So both picked very iconic movie quotes for today's show. And just to my listeners, and, and eventually if you see the video, the viewers, the quote has nothing to do with manufacturing or service or anything we've been talking about, and they're going to relate it to our topic in their own words. That's where we're going to see how clever you are, Don, how clever you are. Sergey, you can smile now. There you go. Sergey? <laughs> okay, I want him to smile. So Don Swenson has sent me the following quote. This is from Dorothy Gale, played by the one and only, still iconic Judy Garland. The movie, of course, The Wizard of Oz, way before we had the Broadway show. This is 1939, the American musical fantasy film. It was at the time, Don, MGM's most expensive production. It was in 1956, there was a television broadcast premiere. Now remember the movie was 1939, but it broadcast on CBS. It's the most seen film in movie history. And it was one of the first selected by the Library of Congress, one of the first 25 films for preservation in the US National Film Registry. I thought that was very, very interesting. It is part of the British Film Institute's 50 films to be seen by the age of 14 and their 2020 list of 50 films to be seen by the age of 15. There you go. So it's approved for young minds. And the quote, of course, is Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. That's not a good Judy Garland impersonation. I'm sorry. Don, how'd you pick this one? Go ahead. Well, you know, I, I love this one, Bonnie. You said to have fun with it too. So yep. here we go. Here we go. The, this is the, you know, if this is the world, it's a new world. It is a different world. I mean, if I'm a manufacturer, I, as I said, we've built these, this enterprise system to manufacture, you know, products and sell it maintain it service parts management but hold this is all different now and so how do i so it is a different world and if you look at you know look at the movie i mean i agree it's an all-time favorite i'm going to assume everybody's kind of seen it or at least heard about it but 
you know, Dorothy's 16 years old. She gets in a, there's a tornado. It's all black and white, Bonnie. It starts out in black and white. And she, is it a night, is it a dream or a nightmare? We don't know, but she bumps her head. She has, you know, and she's, and she wakes up and her house is now in a different place. And she gets out of the house and it's like, there's a yellow brick road. There's gingerbread houses. There's forests of flowers. It's, it's a fantasy world. And she says to her little dog, Toto, I got a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. So the parallel here is imagine you're a CIO. And you were in this new technology. I mean, I'm swimming in this new world and I've, I've evolved to it. But now all of a sudden the board says, hey, CIO, we want to move to an as a service business. We want to start monetizing our services in a different way. We want to start delivering outcomes for our customer. And the CIO says to his lieutenant, <laughs> lieutenant, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. So... The parallel here is that now what's different is Dorothy's dream was she wanted to go home. She wanted to go black and white. That was her safety zone. But the CIO doesn't have that luxury. That CIO has to learn how to live and survive and thrive and innovate and survive in this land of odds. And so Dorothy, Dorothy finds the, the Tin Man. And the Tin Man represents the heart. And Dorothy had the heart to go home. But does the CIO and the company have the heart to really make this transformation? And so that's kind of, that's, you know, so you need to have heart. You need to be committed to this transformation. Then Dorothy finds the scarecrow. Scarecrow represents the brains. So, Dorothy, you know, solves her problems and hearts and she, she comes up with a brain to, you know, to, to battle the wicked witch and the, the flying monkeys and all the tasks that she had to, to travel the, the, you know, the yellow brick road. But the CIO and the company have to, have to consolidate brain power to envision this new future and really establish a, a, a business model and an operating model that's going to allow them to scale rationally. And th this is, so if you have the heart and you apply the brains, you know, you're, you're, you're almost there, but then Dorothy finds the cowardly lion <laughs> and that represents courage. So Dorothy had the courage to actually challenge the wicked witch and the flying monkeys and find herself way back home. But if you're the CIO, there's a lot of companies out there that have heart. They have, they put some brain power on it, but they haven't put the courage. You know, they haven't enough courage to make the transformation. So the point is, if you, if you have the heart, truly have the heart and you apply the brains properly, then you're mitigating the risk and you need less courage to move forward with the transformation in a scalable way. And that's the challenge. And so if you're the CIO in the company, and if you can have the heart, apply the brains, and have the courage to move forward, you've truly become the Wizard of Oz. Don Swenson, I must have had over the past five years when I started using movie quotes, probably 20 or 30 guests have used that quote. 
I'm giving you the award for the best storytelling related to a movie <laughs> quote, linking it to a business topic ever in the history of Game Changers Radio. Sergey, let's give Don a round of applause. <laughs> Gabe, my engineer, give a silent round of applause for Don. That was incredible. I, 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 felt, I felt like I was reading the script of the movie and saying, yes, and we're, we're putting the CIO over there. Poor CIO. He's got to have heart. He's got to have brains. He's got to have courage or she or they, yep. however, however they, they refer to them themselves today. That was fascinating, Don. I have to thank you. That was absolutely fascinating. Sergey, no, no pressure with your quote. But Don, that was, wait, wait till Judy Cube is the sponsor of the series. Here's that. She's going to say, what did Don Swenson say? Don, that, I have to say that was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Oh, uh, you're, you're, Thank you, Bonnie. Very well done. Wow, you, you raised the bar on quote explanations. Thank you, Sergey. Let me get to you before I, I just, oh my goodness, do I have the courage to go on? Yes, of course I do, because Sergey Yermakov is waiting for me. Sergey has picked a quote from another recently iconic movie. This quote is said by several people in the film. We're going to attribute it to. This is a movie that just made a comeback, the new version, many years later. It's Top Gun. And Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell, played by the one and still only Tom Cruise, Maverick Top Gun, 1986 American action drama film. Uh, it was actually inspired by an article called Top Guns, which was published in the California magazine three years before they put the screenplay together, Jim Cash and Jack Epps. Tom Cruise, of course, Kelly McGillis, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards. He was on ER. I remembered him as one of the early cast of the ER Hospital Doctor Show. And Tom Skerritt, Cruise plays a young naval aviator aboard the aircraft carrier USS Enterprise. He and his radar intercept officer, Lieutenant J.G. Nick Goose Bradshaw, played by Anthony Edwards, were given the chance to train at the U.S. Navy Fighters Weapons School at Naval Air Station Miramar in San Diego, California. And we just know that they just launched in 2022 the sequel, and it was theatrically released on May 27th, Top Gun, colon, Maverick, and streamed on Paramount 45 days later. That's new. Here's the quote. It was said by Maverick and, I believe, other people back and forth to each other in the film. And this is a great quote for business, Sergey. I feel the need, the need for speed. Sergey, let's relate that to our topic. I love it. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, in my case, I think it is it is uh, super simple. Uh, I think that um, speed uh, is the, I mean, from the innovation perspective, I would say there would be a couple aspects to, to, to the speed, right? So, I mean, the first one is definitely the rate uh, at which companies develop new products. That's first one. And I think that the second one is the rate uh, at which companies uh, really bring these products to the market, products and services to the market. And I think what is really different between the uh, successful companies and not so successful companies is basically the speed uh, at uh, like uh, the, at, the, at which they're bringing their, their services and products to the market. Because I, I think that we are currently facing the highly competitive environment where everybody could replicate your product like in, it's just a matter maybe of months or, or half a year. And if the companies are like missing the speed of the constant innovation, so for them, it is like crucial uh, to stay in the business. And I think that we have seen many examples of the companies who missed uh, like transitioning to the cloud. They missed transitioning to the, to the uh, complementing their offering, product offering with the services, and they went out of business. 
And I think that this is this is why I selected this quote, and that's why I think the speed is is highly important in this case. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that too. Great. And we use that quote. I've had that quote used on my other SAP Game Changer show, Sergey, uh, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And we talk about having the courage, the heart, and the the brains for C, uh, chief financial officers, CFOs in the finance team to understand that they are no longer sitting in the basement counting numbers. We used to call them bean counters, right? From, that's a Boston reference with an eye shade and a green banker's lamp and looking at spreadsheets that are three to six to nine to 12 months old. They need to be at the forefront of the business. So that quote is often used to show that they can't be laggards anymore. The finance the team, department, CFO and cohort need to be leading the company forward with insights that are based on data. So I appreciate you using that quote today. Very, very apropos. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Good selections. I love iconic quotes. So Don Swenson, let's go into our round table. I'm going to start with your statement number one you sent me. I'm picking one from each of you. We'll go back and forth. So here's how it's going to work. Don, I'm going to read statement number one. Take about three minutes. Force yourself to, to talk about this. Unpack it, I'll ask you to do. And Sergey, Sergey, I want you to move up and sit on the edge of your chair. You're sitting on the edge of your seat. You got to be ready to pounce because when Don is finished with his three minutes, I'm going to ask Sergey, agree or disagree? And this is important because we want your thought leadership take on what Don said. You can disagree if you want. Don's in an extremely good mood today now that we got the Wizard of Oz quote out of the way. So you can disagree, just do it nicely. And then Don, I'll come back to you very briefly and ask you to comment back to Sergey. At that point, I will have picked one of Sergey's discussion statements he sent me in advance and put it into the chat for you, Sergey. And then we'll go to that one and back and forth. And let's see how much we can cover. It's almost half past, half past already. And of course, we've been talking about the topic through the quotes and through your introductions and through some of my questions. So we are already deep into it. Don Swenson, statement number one, companies want to procure services based on consumption as an operating expense, not as a capital expense with ownership responsibilities. I'm going to stop there and let you finish unpacking that. Don, go ahead. You know, yeah, thanks, Bonnie. I think this is um, this is the pull. Because I don't think manufacturers would naturally move to a different business model and a, and a different um, operating model if they if they're if the customers in the market wasn't demanding it and the value is so everybody's in, in a in every company is in a mode of lowering their costs improve, improving better processes um and simplifying their business models and so as as a consumer of industrial manufacturers like i said before they can take a lot of uh they can take capital equipment costs out of out of their business and they can reduce operating expenses in terms of headcount and, and other operational expenses related to maintaining the capital equipment that they've acquired. And so that's the attraction from the customer side. And they're asking manufacturers to deliver the outcome. And so that 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 is the pull in my mind. And, and it is a it's a it's a it's a win-win for both sides, actually, if done correctly. So the customer wins because they can they can just buy an outcome, but the the risk goes on the manufacturer. But the manufacturer can win as well because now they've got a recurring revenue model with their customer. They they've and as long as they have a good customer experience, and they can have retention of that customer, and they can actually build in that margin 
in the service contract, which the customer will be, you know, the company will be happy to pay because they've limited, there's a lot of value in services, you know, that they're, they're receiving. And the manufacturer can actually automate that and get more life out of the manufacturing equipment, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, then because they're maintaining it, they're ongoing with it. And um, so it can be a win-win, but it does require a lot of change that we're, we can talk about as well. Thank you very much, Sergey Yermakov. You're up. Agree or disagree with Mr. Swenson? What do you think? Of course, I totally agree here. It completely makes sense. So, because the cap, uh, capex is always requiring the the major investments, uh, that uh, means the uh, less cash flow uh, for the rest of the business, uh, and uh, is heavily impacting the short term operations of the company. And uh, I think that uh, well. Moving from the uh, CapEx to OPEX is uh, basically bringing the manufacturers, like getting them a lot of opportunities internally. Uh, I mean, first of all, you get uh, a lot of resources, as Don mentioned already, that are freeing up. So, and uh, makes the spendings like from one side on the manufacturer side, you get the predictable recurring revenue. From the other side on the customer side, you get predictable spendings and uh, the lower capital costs and uh, just like paying for what you need when you need it. I think that this is the model that everybody looks into, especially after, you know, the the technology infrastructure that nobody is buying like data centers anymore. Everybody is renting and paying as much as they need to, 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 to use to run their business. I think that this is like the model that customers are looking for also from the industrial manufacturing space. And I think that... Um, uh, here, the the additional component to that is by moving from uh, capex into opex and freeing up the uh, the resources on on the customer side allows manufacturers really to grow their services portfolio and by bringing more value, customers would be ready to pay more for the services. So therefore, you are spreading the cost and you are increasing significantly, increasing the potential for the revenue. Thank you. Very interesting point there. Don, agree or disagree? I'm going to take it no, back no, to you. I, I, Sergey made some really good points. The, um, there's the uh, usage-based pri- you know, um, pricing and consumption on the, on the customer side as well. So that means that they're, they, if they're not using it, there's a variable cost, and so their operating costs can actually go down. But, uh, but uh, the other side of that is from a manufacturer standpoint, a lot of people can't afford this big expensive equipment. So if I start offering it as a service and it's consumption based, I can actually grow my market because I've got a I'm making it easier for customers to consume my product. So yeah, good points there, Sergey. Thank you very much, Don. Good back to you. Good. I appreciate uh, the conversation point, the starter. I appreciate that. Sergey, I'm picking your statement number two. I put it in the chat. It's very long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We want to hear you talk, not me read. But this is interesting because we're getting more into some of the technology that I mentioned in my opening. And I have one comment back to both of you before I, I read this, Sergey. I'm thinking of food as a service from the point of view of what you buy in the supermarket. And if I buy a really expensive cut of meat, I don't eat red meat anymore, but what if I buy a really expensive piece of salmon and I take it home? Is that going to guarantee that I will serve the most amazing dinner to my guests because I bought the expenses? But then if I buy a food service, 
that delivers all the ingredients in a box to my door and says, if you follow this recipe and you put this herb on it and this spice and you cook it this many minutes and you have this temperature and you put on your fancy black shoes and a beautiful dress, you will have a fabulous dinner party. I'm a little bit closer to outcome. So that's, I know food is not industrial manufacturing, but I was thinking where we buy things, where we've invested and the outcome is not as a guarantee as we're now saying that everything is a services. We can leave that one alone. I just, it was just, maybe I'm just hungry. Okay, Sergey, I'm reading statement number two here. You say connected devices, the internet of things and the technological landscape are enabling new layers of services. According to IDC, I think we've heard this, but it's up from my last take on this, 41.6 billion devices will be collecting data by 2025. Sergey, all I can say is, wow, talk to us. Finish unpacking and tell us more. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, so I think that like the uh, connected devices is one of the most important uh, trends that are basically triggering the innovation in this space. And this is due to the simple reason. When we look at the uh, typical services model and uh, the way how the, the industrial manufacturing companies could introduce this model, they, they start with the the customer value proposition that is based on some certain assumptions or some certain research data and uh, where you are trying to identify basically what would you do to the customer and what the outcome the customer will get from your service. And then you think about how to deliver this value. And then uh, uh, if we look at the, uh, the IOC as the big enabler in this space, it allows us basically to get the real-time feedback on how customers are using our products, uh, what benefit they get from our services. And uh, this is the way how we could get uh, this consumption patterns identified and really uh, start thinking on how could we improve our product and how we could uh, service customer better and how we could increase value that customer is getting from the product that he is using. This is one. And another important component to that is that based on this consumption data and uh, really understanding the customer behavior, we could uh, tailor our pricing uh, to these consumption patterns and uh, introduce new pricing models uh, that customer would benefit from. And I think that these two components, like a part of the all the nice uh, features, like additional features that we can get, like predictive service, for example, when we understand uh, the right moment where we need to provide it uh, and, and all other things. I think that these two major things uh, are basically enabling the, the, the transformation with IoT. Thank you very much, Sergey. You brought up so many interesting points, the pricing model based on consumption, the fact that IoT is bringing data back in to show performance and consumption and frequency. And when is it being used? How is it being used? And is it being used well? And what is it producing that is enabling them to say, I'm glad I'm subscribing to your service, not just buying your hammer or your drill fascinating don swenson join us agree or disagree with any or all of that go ahead don well i i agree iot is you know an, an important part of this i i guess my perspective on this is i look at it at the complexity curve but everything is a service and at the at the simple at the simple piece you've got i mean software is a service there's there's no there's no iot component there's no asset component to it infrastructure is a service platform is a service you're basically 
it's digital services. And th that has its own little complexity. But as soon for an industrial manufacturers, and as soon as you introduce an asset, a physical asset to the service, and now you're bundling software platform with, with the asset. Now the manufacturer has a whole lot more complexity to deal with. They have to create intelligent products, intelligent assets that have these sensors. They have to be able, with the intent of being, being the owner, the remote owner of that asset. And th that is a leap for a lot of manufacturers. Building the appropriate smart asset, intelligent asset, and then having the infrastructure to monitor that asset as a digital twin or whatever, so that they, because they, that, that, that asset is the critical outcome that they're delivering. Managing that asset, managing people that manage that asset, monitoring that for pricing and billing. This is where it gets really hard. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of devices out there, Sergey's right, but in the context of applying that, in the everything as a service, this is where the myth comes in. How do you know, that that is up the complexity curve? How do we do feel the need the need for speed, Sergey and Don? If we've got to get if they have to get this all done, Sergey, I'm going to bounce this back to you. Anything you want to say back to Don? I bet you have something to say, Don. I'm putting your notes in the chat right now. Go ahead, Sergey. Yes, I, I think that like uh, clearly studies show that uh, on the way to industry 4.0, so we, we see quite a few companies who are uh, still embedding the uh, smart uh, devices in their products. So I think that uh, in uh, 2019, if I'm not mistaken, the recent figures that I remember, the, it was just around like 15% of all the uh, industrial manufacturing companies who've been doing this. But I think that here is uh, exactly, uh, I mean, the need for speed, where it comes from, from this trend. And I think that if we look at the innovators, they are already doing this. If we, for example, if we take famous subscription models, like for example, Rolls-Royce engines, and uh, the uh, the speed of innovation and speed of like uh, introducing the new additions to their core offering, uh, I think that we clearly see the good example of how the innovators are uh, using IoT already now uh, to run their subscriptions and improve their subscription services. And so I think it's the big question to the rest of the manufacturing community on how to speed up uh, this transformation, how to introduce IoT as fast as they can, and how they could leverage already existing experience of the competition in order to bring their products to market and improve them. So I think it's all about that. Thank you. See how nicely the quotes work into the conversation, gentlemen? See, how, see, these when you pick a really good quote that really has a broad brush application to aspects of what we're talking about, we can use it throughout the show. I'm already thinking of using some of what you said, Don, for my financial excellence series. I want to suggest to them we do we do a show called The CFO and the Wizard of Oz. Do you have the heart, the brains, and the courage to, to manage? I can't wait to see what the sponsors say to me. Bonnie, go take a coffee break somewhere. Too much caffeine. Anyway, thank you. G great. Sergey, I, I appreciate that statement. This is all about really good good statements to talk about. Don, I put your statement in the next one. We're going to go to number four from you, Don. You say manufacturers need to consider both the customer 
and the employee experience as the business and operating model are defined and delivered. I'm going to stop right there. I think we're going to get into some change management discussion, which is really on my mind about this topic today. Don, go ahead. Unpack, please. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple thoughts here, Bonnie. One, I'll start from the manufacturer side. First of all, they need to, in their business modeling, they, and why they would move to an as a service operating model, they need to re-envision the customer relationship. And, and you know, understanding that the customer wants an outcome. How do I, how do I contract for that? How do I, how do I quote for that? How do I, how do I, okay, okay, Mr. Customer, you want to buy a lot of my robots or whatever it might be. I have to create a, uh, I have to I put them in my bill of materials. I have to put the hardware. I have to put services. I have to put some usage-based subscription tiered pricing models. There's a lot of flexibility in that. I mean, negotiate that with the customer. Uh, a lot of different negotiations going on. So I have to re, this is different. This is a different customer relationship. Hey, Mr. Customer, you want an outcome? I'll deliver you an outcome, but here's what I need from you to support your desire for an outcome-based business model. And so that, that whole, you know, that they, they, you have to come together on what this new relationship is and you have to contract for that. And, and then as you, so back to the manufacturer, as I contract that, I have to execute this contract through my system. I delivered the product, Bill. I delivered the service, Bill. I, I, yeah, I recognize the consumption of those, you know, a usage-based thing. I have to um, build, I have to build like that based on the pricing that we agreed to. I have to put those bills together and into an invoice. But, but I also have to provide visibility to the customer so that they can monitor their usage and they can see that they're actually getting the outcome that they're looking for. And if they can't, and they're not, they're not happy with the outcome, guess what? They're not going to renew or they're going to be unsatisfied. And now you got support issues. And to the degree that you can execute that flawlessly, you will have a lower cost of service and your margins go up. To the degree that you don't do it very well, you're going to have additional costs to support your the, the lack of building out a proper operating model to support the customer expectations. So it's critical from a customer experience perspective, but to deliver the customer experience perspective, you have to enable your employees to support, to sell to this customer differently, to, to support the contract in the field differently and provide them visibility from an account perspective, from a contract perspective of how they're actually executing for that customer. So it is, to your point, Bonnie, a lot of change management. Thank you, very interesting. Sergey Yermakov, love to get your POV on this. Agree or disagree with Mr. Swenson, go ahead. Yes, I, I totally agree with everything. Uh, the only the only question for me here is how to uh, like help these uh, manufacturing companies to, to reduce this risk, right? So we uh, we see like a lot of uh, 
a lot of businesses there they they approach this uh transformation in a way that, that they want to, to do it in one big shot uh and uh and uh, re-engineer the whole business model and they spend years identifying what would be uh the right model how this model will affect the business and and clearly i think that we we have a very good experience from the on-premise software companies that, that has been transitioning to the cloud when like first of all you you get the the whole new series of the products in the organization then you need to get the proper compensation model for your salespeople because they should start selling this and this is a completely different model and instead of getting like five million contract in place you're getting like a little monthly subscription and it, it is not so attractive to them and then it is affecting the delivery and this is affecting the the backend systems in a way that like for example if you have subscriptions or you have services in the manufacturing case uh complementing the core product offering then you have to issue the single quote to the customer and have the same single invoice and single contract and this is like the simple challenges uh and then we could continue like describing all the different risks and and changes that has to be made in the organization so from my perspective i think that we could think about uh helping businesses to start really slow uh and really with a small set of services test it out uh understand what are the implications and then uh once they get uh, like first small successes uh, roll it out in the bigger model and really understand how the additional components that they're bringing into this model affecting the business and what are the risks associated with that and i think that this this approach it is something that uh like addressing quite well everything that don mentioned and uh, significantly reducing the risks on the organization thank you very much and you you tiptoed into your statement number four which i was going to do next sergey so I'm, i've substituted <laughs> statement number three but just just for me to iterate here uh, sergey said develop a customer-centric business model an outside in essential look at understanding customer needs but you said be agile break down trans transformation into small steps test and learn yes. i think that's where you where you were going so as i'm listening to you i'm hearing that we're covering statement number four so i put number three in the chat don this was your just discussion lead here so why don't you comment back to sergey yeah i think yeah you know, i mean i guess from my point it is i was overemphasizing the complexity of the change and the i know sergey there's the need for speed but i've seen a lot of the early adopters in this they they rushed in and they realized they didn't have the right operating model especially an end-to-end -end operating model Maybe they, they maybe they implemented some components of it. They created customer contracts, and then they realized all of the broken processes that were required, that were all the processes that were required that were broken. So it ended up being manual. And a lot of these early customers kind of stalled out their transformation at five to 10% because it wasn't scalable. So I completely agree that you need to have the heart and then the brains, the brains being how do I, how do I model my business and my operation to support it? But how do I start small? So that, and how do, how can, and my, my, our advice is think end to end process first and pick something simple to execute 
and and have the you know and and the courage to actually uh, promise an outcome, but deliver on that outcome, and then scale from there. Thank you very much. Good conversation back and forth. I appreciate. Yes, that. I, I just want to, to add to this. If yes, uh, yeah. Please. So uh, I I think that if we look like from the servitization model perspective, so mm -hmm. we have uh, this famous servitization pyramid that has all these three layers that goes from the uh, basic services to the uh, added value services. And then you have like all whole your product offering as the service that is complemented with additional services. And uh, I think that uh, we really looking into, into most manufacturing companies and they are already providing the, this basic product supporting services. So product maintenance, for example, some kind of additional software that brings additional value. And I think that this is exactly the right products uh, that could be considered as the very like first subscription products that manufacturing company could offer to, to their customers. And then once they understand how these already existing products uh, perform from the from the like subscription uh, perspective and recurring revenue perspective and everything, I think that they could then move uh, also into next steps where they already could get IUC devices introduced, the capturing data. Uh, coming up with more advanced services, etc., and uh, I think that uh, for most of the businesses, we already have something that they use already now that they could leverage in order to understand how the model works. Thank you very much. I'm glad you jumped back in. We have about five minutes left. Um, I'm going to tiptoe into your statement number three just a little bit, Sergey. I think we can cover a little, but I have a question for both of you. Sergey, I'm going to start with you. The question is, what if as a company is providing subscription model and they're providing all of these service outcomes, what if instead of a customer saying, no, we didn't get, no, that, no, it, it didn't quite work out. No, that, you know, what if it didn't work out? What if it worked the other way? What if a customer says, we got something we weren't expecting. You added more value through the subscription and we like it because there was another outcome that we weren't even looking forward to. And now you've expanded our interest in subscribing. Does that ever happen? Does it work so well that there are, I'll say there are ancillary or spin-off outcome byproducts that make somebody so happy they say, wow, why didn't you think of this before? We could have used this five years ago. Look at the great stuff you're giving us. Sergey, have, have you experienced any cases like that? I'm being very optimistic here, but it dawns on me that Don and Sergey, it could go both ways. What if there are extra things that they didn't expect, Sergey? It should be like that, you know. Uh, yeah, one of the companies we work with, they uh, have this idea that they are selling software, and this software should trigger the product sales. So by using the software, it it brings value that is basically moving customer into buying the product. And uh, they've been piloting this for two years, and this is a very successful model now. And uh, based on that, they, they started rolling out. So th th this means exactly that they have achieved what you just said, right? So customers, they're getting more value from the software, and they consider like doing this, using this, and buying more stuff from the customer. So, so this is exactly the case. And, and, and the byproduct, another byproduct, another layer, Don, I'll get to in just a second, is what if the outcome of the service that the company is providing, the manufacturer is providing to the, their customer 
gives the customer more opportunity to innovate because they didn't realize they could do XYZ that's now available to them. So they get a new layer of innovation and creating new business models for themselves. This is almost, a, to me, it's another version of the circular economy, right? What goes around comes around and the good keeps getting better. Don, help me out here. What do you think? Well, you're on an interesting track, Bonnie. I haven't thought about this too much, but you know, if I'm a consumer of industrial equipment and I've got a contract with manufacturer and my expectations are, I don't have to buy the equipment. I, I mm-hmm. have to lower my expenses and you know, I'm, I'm, it's just kind of a vendor relationship. Great. But a byproduct could be my production. He went up 10%. Yes. And I wasn't even, that's a, that's an added benefit. I wasn't even expecting that because of the efficiency created through keeping that, that product up in uptime. And I get to redeploy my assets now. Those people that were before maintaining this equipment, I don't need them anymore. I can put them over on a new project. I can put them over on another hotspot. I can get better benefits from over there. So, yes, it is a uh, earlier in the say, I mean, uh, this is a mega trend. It's not just industrial manufacturing. Mm-hmm. It's across all industries. I, I agree with Sergey. This is. This is big. It will. You're, I think one of your questions will be what it'll be like in five years, but. It, there'll be there'll be some breakthroughs here as we go forward that will accelerate the adoption of this, but it's it's real, Bonnie. Thank you, and th- thank you for that example. And I'm thinking that th- this will create a more of an open mindset, Sergey and Don, for companies to want to do this service, everything as a service, everything outcome based, and for companies to say we're looking forward to subscribing to that because we've heard. Don and Sergey on the future of mobility manufacturing with Game Changers with SAP hosted by Bonnie D. We've heard that it's possible we might get more positive outcomes of doing this as byproducts of what we signed up for. And everybody could be very happy and we'll we'll take that happiness and circulate it around. Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. And the need for speed might be incremental speed that happens as this catches on. And Don, you, you almost preempted my final question. Sergey, we don't have time for a new topic. I've got about a minute and a half to close, but I'm going to ask Gabe three minutes. Thank you, Gabe. And thank you to Gabe, our engineer at Voice America Business Channel. We appreciate you, Gabe. So what what if we met one year from today? Okay, and today we're live on Voice America Business Channel, and it is July what? 25, 20, 26, July 26, 2022. Wow, is the year going fast for me. Sergey, I'll ask you first. If we met one year from today, would we still be talking about this topic in the same context of needing to tell companies how it works, or would we be farther along on that learning and production curve? I have time for a yes or no, Sergey. I'm sure we get many examples to illustrate how successful companies did it in the past year. Because of hearing you on the show today. I know I'm adding that. Don Swenson. <laughs> there we go. Don't go away afterwards. We'll chat for a second. Don, if we met one year from today, would we still be talking about it the same way or would we move to another level? Well, I think we, it, we will move to another level, but I think it's, it's incremental to your point. Okay. It'll be, it'll be an incremental level. Thank you. You've both been exceptionally wonderful guests. I've enjoyed talking to you, but most important, I've enjoyed learning from both of you. And I'm assuming and I'm hoping and I'm confident that the outcome of this conversation is that companies will learn and that light bulb will go off and they'll say, wow, there's something here. We may not have paid 
enough attention to or attention at all. I'm going to say a shout out to Judy Cubis at SAP, longtime sponsor of the series, and hello to Laura Wilton, who is working with Judy on her team. And I thank, again, Gabe, our engineer, and Don. And Sergey, I want you to lean forward in your seat a little bit because I have a little homework assignment for you. Fasten your seatbelt, okay? This is to you and everybody out there. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Don Swenson. Don, wave goodbye for the video. And just like Survey. You're a macaw. Sergey, you're a macaw. I want to call you Survey because I'm surveying so many good things when I talk to you. Bonnie D signing off, everybody. Have a great day. Go out and be a game changer. There you go. Don't go away. Thanks again for tuning in to the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.